Great. So um, talking a little bit about how we now roll it out, and we're going to have to go a little more staccato because of our timing. Mm -hmm. This was, I wanted to have the longer answers to, to ground everybody on the programs and the metrics because that's the, the key discussion. A little bit on the how is going to vary depending on each of your circumstances on the adoption rollout question. So let's talk a little bit about when you rolled it out. Was it organic? Was it top down? Was it a combination? Um, and maybe, you know, touch on the elements of your culture so that people in the audience can say, oh, that definitely resonates with our culture. So if you can touch on that, and we'll start with, anyone want to guess? Steve. <laughs> we have an incredible, uh, incredibly diverse company. Um, it's an end-to-end -end company. So we have scientists in the labs discovering molecules that will treat new, you know, unmet medical needs in new ways. We have people manufacturing. We have field sales rep. We are end-to-end. -end. As you can imagine, very, um, diverse cultures, microcultures. So saying one thing about Genentech is actually kind of difficult. Um, and so we leverage this decentralized kind of strategy. And, and we have rolled just recently, as Sally said, in the last uh, three weeks, we, um, we are taking a very viral approach. We're not coming out with an enterprise-wide view or mandate or policy around this. What we are doing is we're providing a standardized set of tools. Uh, we have a new website that we just launched called the Work and Career Flexibility website. It's a, a really robust site where people can learn about why flexibility is important. Uh, they can learn about um, the different flexible arrangements that we're supporting from an enterprise level, the six of them, three about doing 100% of my work differently, and three about doing either different kind of work or a different amount of work. Uh, so that thus the work and career flexibility sort of combination. Um, there's a part on the site that talks about career flexibility. There's a whole section for managers that we've chosen to make very transparent and just put out for everyone so that employees know what their managers are going to be thinking about when they're evaluating decisions. And then we have a whole very clear process. This comes out of the distinction between informal and formal flexibility. Our effort was really focused on formal flexible work arrangements, which we're describing as a longer term change. We didn't want to say permanent longer-term change to um, regular location or schedule. And that was with help from our great legal partners. <laughs> Figuring out exactly how to describe that. So we're, we're taking this very viral approach. We've provided self-assessments based on some of the, the work that we learned about what, what Sun was doing. We created a work flexibility profile. It's a self-assessment that an employee takes. There are six categories that form the statements that people evaluate for themselves. They're required as part of their process to have a conversation with their manager about their answers on this. And so they kind of use it as a starting point for a conversation. It's nice because it's neutral in a way, really about their work, their interaction with clients, uh, the job tasks, the equipment they need to use, the um, technology that they need to use, uh, client expectations and client working hours. So there, there's a whole background behind that. Uh, and so we provide this whole toolkit for, for managers and people to use. And then what we're, what we're finding is we're being invited to come and talk about this. We're being, our HR folks as strategic partners to the business are, are brokering this, letting people know about it, um, brokering conversations. And so it's very grassroots. We're not trying to say anything to any, you know, the whole company at any given time. And so that's our viral sort of stealth role. 
Well, so, since you just rolled it out, I have one follow-up question because yeah. I like because you just did this. Um, talk a little bit about how you got your business partners and the other groups enrolled because I think that's critical to how you how you were successful. One of the key things we did right off the bat was we held a lot of focus groups, and we we brought together primarily directors because we thought that they, they were it was a great level to talk about. Uh, the issues within their organizations as well as their own issues. One of the things we learned, we learned something really cool, I think, in that, that the directors at Genentech didn't feel that flexible work arrangements were really what they needed. Of course. It wasn't about a formal flexible work arrangements. They know what they signed up for. You know, overload was really the issue. Mm -hmm. And that helped us tease the overload issue away from flexibility because flexibility from our perspective is not a solution for overload. There are other solutions for overload like delegation and prioritization, skill building, and job redesign. But people kind of confuse overload, work-life balance, and flexibility. And so we teased that out. And the directors were really much more interested in uh, career flexibility. They wanted to be able to step out of the director role for a while, either part-time or in an individual contributor role, brush back up their technical skills. But they also wanted to be able to come back in, and that's the difficult piece. So we heard a lot. Flexible, uh, sorry, focus groups with um, employees is, was an incredibly important part of our rollout because we really needed to understand what the issues were in people's minds. Fantastic, thank and you. And to get by. Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you. I actually think the viral way is, is, is terrific, and I think that there's more and more of that happening now than in my day. When, when we first started, um, the rollout was more top-down, I would have to say. Um, I was sent off to try to experiment in England with a, a new office design, which would be called an alternative work environment, or WE2000, which was like in the 90s. Um, and um, I, I remember it all. I still have all the scar tissue from you know, trying to roll something out when we didn't really ask the peeps if they wanted it to be rolled out. And, um, but it wasn't a disaster either, because I think to, me, to, to a major extent, we, um, we were open. It was called a pilot. So the idea was to not force anything down anyone's throat, right? But of course, when you're dealing with bricks and mortar, guess what? Any of you architects out there, you know, once it's built, sorry, you know, it's more expensive to tear down a wall once it's up there. So watch it with the real estate. Because if you are going to mess with it, um, it sticks around for a while. So um, the, the, the interesting morphing from what was perceived as mandate, which actually Scott McNeely, who was our president at the time, once we have little badges that badges into our offices. And that's a terrific source of data. That's company data. You can find out where the heck people are coming into or not. And in the 90s, we collected the badge data, thinking, God, that might be really interesting, because we're very data-driven. And sure enough, you know, people were not badging into their buildings a third of the time. On any normal week, we did the data you know, years ago. But we picked September and October. It wasn't summer. And we watched everything overseas, too. We couldn't do it for the Germans, because God, you know, those works councils just don't like that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, the long and the short of it is, is when Scott knew that people were only badging in you know, to the building. He wasn't upset. He thought it was terrific. He thought people were working virtually. So, but he wanted to save those dollars. So you, know, that, you, know, you can do arithmetic. That means there's a lot of dollars being spent on lighting and cooling and heating of buildings. And now these little private offices that are empty, because people don't work that way anymore. They work in teams and they work in groups. So it really was a morphing of mandate to what now is choice. Should have been choice from the start. But we didn't know what the choices were. 
And so now we've moved from, which was kind of a binary mechanistic way of thinking about stuff, to a complete portfolio of home, drop-ins, oh, cute little drop-in story. One of the first drop-ins we built was a loss leader. We didn't tell anybody about it. We rented some cheap space in San Francisco, didn't tell a soul. <laughs> and within weeks, the drop-in center was full with, get this, engineers mm. who normally need their stuff, they needed to work with their group, they needed to be near their manager. And that was one of the cool little, little ahas, you know. You can do funny stuff like that for not a lot of money and build something virally. Because once those engineers started working up there, you know, they told their friends and then we had to build one in Pleasanton because there was a demographic area there and we had to build another one in Campbell. And, um, and that, that's when the viral stuff started taking off, when the people started seeing that they could do it and their managers were starting to get cool with it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, we've had great success using cross-functional teams, um, actually for the design as well as the adoption and rollout. So it's not uncommon for us to go to managers and or to our practice leaders of our different groups and say, give us a star that you think could adequately represent your group that's well connected to the teams. And we've had, we have a community action group now that's fully led by a cross-functional team that determines, they've just come up with a we haven't presented it to management yet, but a matching gift program or and matching donated time off. And we have a sustainability group, a mentoring group, and another group that helped redesign our bonus program. But we go and we ask for people to participate in these. Our jobs is, is to educate them and help them understand the business issues. They go and speak to, they represent their team. So they have to understand what are the issues on their team and what are the people looking for. They have to come back and work together to create something that can roll out to the entire company. They then present it to the executive team, get buy-off or get suggestions on how to change it, and then they help take responsibility for implementing it and gaining adoption. And usually it's led by a more junior person. So for instance, I'm on a couple of the committees. Um, Mary, our COO, is here. She's on the mentoring committee. Part of our job is to help be, build leadership. And so we could have uh, an up-and-coming person leading that team, and our job is to help mentor and be there as a resource for that individual. And it's worked really well. Um, because when you're listening to a peer or a friend or someone you respect tell you why it's a good thing or what the business issues are and why they're recommending a certain way to go, it sounds a lot more real than if I stand up or someone else stands up and says, you know, here's why we should do it this way. I think most everything's been said, so I won't take up a lot of time to get on to the next question, except that I think anytime you adopt something or roll something out, you've got to have buy-in. And so, and I think, you know, you talked about the viral approach and, and working in teams, and, and I know that uh, certainly within KPMG, there have been a lot of initiatives that have been birthed out of these local action council groups that I've mentioned, um, out of one office, and then national may adopt it, and it gets rolled out even further. You know, and that's where the best ideas start. They percolate at the ground level and in those um, you know smaller groups, and it also they are there's more of a buy-in from from your staff and and those in the organization to feel that they've been part of that solution. I think one thing Steve said that really I, I made a note of too is, is to sustain it is also to make sure that we're communicating and reminding everyone about all the various uh, flexibility arrangements and opportunities and perks that we do provide um, because the list continues to grow and evolve and get more interesting and more creative and adapts to what um, is important to our people um, 
you know, at given points in time. And so we're going to uh, websites uh, that will really promote on our local action councils the various groups and initiatives and uh, arrangements that are available and perks for our uh, perks at work um, for our people. And I think um, I want to make sure I kind of like that idea of the career uh, work career flexibility programs that are available um, as we want to make sure that that is communicated to. So I think to sustain it would be my additional contribution to the topic. <laughs>